Welcome to the Individual Matters podcast guest feature series. I'm Andrew Caton, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Fortuna, occupational therapist and assistant professor at Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. Jennifer, thanks for being here and welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, you're going to get us started with a quiz that you've put together. This will highlight some of the topics that we'll be talking about over the next 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long this goes. Allow us to get warmed up and think about um, how much we know about, about your area of expertise. So you'll ask the questions. I'll pause, let our audience think about those. Then I'll try to answer them. Hopefully I won't miss too many. And then maybe you can review the correct answer and we can go from there. So go ahead and fire away whenever you're ready. Okay. So I have a couple of true-false questions for you. Um, The first is, many common childhood diagnoses have a high incidence of visual impairment. True or false? I'm going to say false. (laughs) It's actually true. And I'm going to actually go over, you know, which diagnoses in more detail in just a moment for you. Awesome. Okay. I know. So I'm not off to a very good start. Okay. <laughs> let's have the second one. Okay. Decreased concentration, poor reading comprehension, and uncoordinated body movements are all signs of visual, visual dysfunction. I'm going to go with true for that one. You are correct. <laughs> all right. Um, the next question, vision impacts all areas of child development. True or false? This one, I'm going to go with true. We talked a little bit before the show, so that's what I'm going to stick with. Absolutely. That is correct. And we'll go over that in more detail as well. Um, My last question for you. Occupational therapists are trained to diagnose visual impairment. True or false? I'll go with true. (laughs) It's actually false. Um, That is not part of the role of OT, but we can definitely, um, you know, lead parents and teachers in the right direction to um, obtain that diagnosis from a trained medical professional. Okay. Do you have any other questions or is that it? That's all I have for Okay. You. <laughs> so what, I was like two for four maybe? Yes, uh, two for four. Not very good, but okay. Well, at least that got us thinking about what we're going to discuss today or what you're going to share with us, a really important issue. Um, you're an occupational therapist. You're also an assistant professor, so you're involved in educating and training mm-hmm. future OTs. So we're really grateful that you're able to come on the show and, and talk with us about this. Do you want to tell us a little bit about why maybe a background into vision and why vision matters? Absolutely. Um, so I've always had kind of a fascination with vision. That's something that it's, I, I can never learn enough about, right? The vision, visual processing, all of that. So this is something that I was just always been, I've been drawn to for as long as I can remember. And when I became an OT, it I just continued on that path of learning more and more about it. But in general, pediatric occupational therapists care for children with like a variety of conditions, including autism, Down syndrome, CP, or developmental delays. We also treat concussion and children who've experienced child abuse and neglect. Um, All of these conditions have a high prevalence of vision disorders. So can you talk to us about the connections between vision, thoughts, and behaviors? So there is a very complex relationship between vision, thought, and action. So in other words, vision, cognition, and motor planning are all related. Um, Development of visual skill will precede cognitive and motor development. So it all really is connected. And it 
we talk a lot about child development on this show. And I think one of your true false questions was whether vision impacts all areas <laughs> of child development, which I got, I can't remember if I got that right or wrong, but it does, right? <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. All areas of child development. And, and when it's left untreated, underlying visual impairment can really limit engagement in childhood occupations. When I say childhood occupations and in my world of OT, so the primary childhood occupations are, um, uh, education, play, and social participation for children. Okay, so occupations is, that's like what they do in life, right? I mean, that's their... Yes. Okay. Their everyday activities. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm jumping ahead probably a little bit because I want to learn more about the role of, of OT in this. I think in, in, in my experience, when the term vision comes up, most people think about the eye chart and... <laughs> I, what you call visual acuity, mm-hmm. reading letters off a chart, but that's that's only a piece of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's important to clarify kind of the role of OT and the assessment and treatment of vision problems just in general and how we kind of differ from an optometrist or even a pediatrician who you bring your child to. And that is what they're checking oftentimes when they're old enough to read and follow directions. They are using like a Snellen chart and um, testing visual acuity, which is really your the clearness of your vision. So just as a a general takeaway, it's possible for a child maybe to pass a vision or a visual acuity screening and still have visual perception problems. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the role of OT as it relates to treating vision problems and assessing them? Absolutely. So as an occupational therapist, you may, you know, complete observations that could be in the classroom. It could be in the clinic. Um, you can conduct a visual screen where you do test each individual visual skill separately. Um, and then we also do standardized assessments to help identify specific vision problems. But again, that's not the same as like diagnosing it. Um, but we can refer to optometrists who can do that comprehensive vision evaluation to confirm um, and diagnose. And then once that's confirmed, an OT can do vision therapy to address that visual dysfunction Okay, as a way of understanding vision and how it relates to that child's overall development, you've shared a, an hierarchy here. I have a graphic, which I'm going to share in the YouTube and Rumble versions of this talk. Um, it's Warren's visual perceptual hierarchy. Uh, seems like that's a really good way of understanding how all this relates. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is actually a theory of visual perception that we I actually teach this <laughs> at CMU. Um, to my students, and I just think it gives a really nice um, explanation of kind of how vision works in that sense. So it's, we, we can consider it a developmental framework for the evaluation and treatment of visual perceptual deficits. So you know, picture a pyramid, and that foundation or the bottom row of that pyramid, those building blocks, um, are the foundational skills that you need to have intact in order to build the higher level skills up above. So it's a bottom-up approach with visual, um, you know, the cognitive skills or the processing and perceptual piece that needs to be at the very top. So you're working from you know the bottom up. Um, so that bottom layer, or that foundation is made up of ocular motor control, your visual fields, and also visual acuity, um, which which all are necessary for um, controlling those voluntary eye movements. Okay, oculo oculo motor control. What is that? Just that's generally, yeah, that's your, your eyes, so your, your eyes are surrounded by six tiny, but very powerful little muscles and they, um, 
you know, turn your eyes in every which direction <laughs> that your brain tells it to go okay. <laughs> pretty much. So it's your ability to, um, to, you know, to control that. And then visual fields. What do you mean by the visual fields? So your visual fields. So if you consider like your, your field of your ability to see and you like maybe cut it up into like a, a grid or something, right? Like, and your fields could be like the upper half, the lower half, the left, the right, um, that type of thing. So you just kind of the different fields of vision. So that would be even like peripheral vision, mm -hmm. how far away yeah. from your center of focus you Absolutely. can pick up. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. And then visual acuity, you talked about that, that is that kind of like reading the, the eye chart? Yeah, that's okay. pretty much what the Snellen chart is, is looking at is your clearness of vision. Okay. And, and that's on the bottom of the, the pyramid. So that's foundational. Yes, that is the foundation. And then you kind of work your way up, um, to those higher level skills that help the brain make sense of what you're looking at, what you're seeing. So those higher level skills could include attention, your ability to s visually scan, pattern recognition, visual memory, just kind of working your way up there, all the way up to visual cognition, so that processing piece. Um, and that functional vision is dependent on the collaboration between all visual perceptual skills. So um, we also, in this, this uh, theory is also related to kind of a systems theory situation. So if you look at dysfunction at any of these levels will impact your visual function at all levels. That makes sense. And as I said, I'll put the visual on the video so that, that the audience can look at that. At the very top is adaptation. Yes. So what, what is that? Adaptation through vision. You're basically it's functional vision oh, in a okay. sense. Yeah. Okay. So the question I think I have, uh, probably a lot of parents and teachers have, is what does visual dysfunction look like? To those of us who aren't trained to assess it, what what are some common presentations? Yeah, that's a great question. So oftentimes children who have an underlying visual impairment will, will show certain signs or symptoms such as, uh, you know, especially when they're doing work ne like at near, such as their homework maybe, or reading a book. Um, so you may observe them to rub their eyes. They may complain of a headache. You may see um, a funny head tilt as they're trying to read. Um, decreased concentration is common. Also poor reading comprehension. A lot of times kiddos have difficulty, um, you know, getting to, they get to an end of a line as they're reading and then they can't do that return sweep and start at the next line. They may skip a line or skip some words in the mix and then lose all comprehension. Um, you may also notice just everyday uncoordinated body movements, that they're clumsy when they're doing um, visual motor activities that require use of the eyes and hands together, um, or even eyes and feet. You know, it could be any body part coordinated with the eyes. And then visual fatigue. Kids will often close their eyes after they're reading or using a screen, and then you can tell that their eyes are tired. Does this relate to like light sensitivity? Is that part of visual dysfunction as well with bright lights or is that something different? Um, it can be part of it depending on the, the child. Yeah, absolutely. It's complex is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, poor reading comprehension. I think that's probably one that stands out. There's so many re There's so many potential causes of poor reading comprehension, but you're saying in particular if a child is not tracking lines yeah. or skipping words or getting lost in a paragraph mm -hmm. or skipping lines altogether. Also sometimes kids with convergence insufficiency. So they're unable to track solely from, um, their eyes can't work together as a coordinated team. You know, if you're bringing like your finger closer to your nose and slowly further away, they are unable to do that. So kids with um, conditions like that often complain of the words moving on the page too. Yeah. That's pretty uh, common, isn't it? Yeah. 
Okay, so these are indications of visual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. There may be other causes as well, but yeah, rubbing eyes, headache, head tilt, mm-hmm. decreased concentration, talked about poor reading comprehension, uncoordination, and then visual fatigue. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what kinds of implications do these problems have if they're not treated um, in terms of how a child participates in the occupations that you mentioned earlier, such as playing, being in the classroom, or just generally related to their education, participating in social activities. How, if, if this is an issue and it's not addressed, how can this play out over their development? Yeah, so if it's untreated, visual dysfunction can definitely negatively impact uh, a child's ability to participate in those key occupations. So we'll take play, for example. Um, children often demonstrate their motor skills that are consistent with their stage of visual development. It's all kind of connected in that sense. Um, children will often use uh, vision to learn from or model or reinforce play with their peers. Um, pretend play often involves imitation of real-life events and occupations. And play often requires translation of visual input into a motor response. That's interesting that what, what you say about how children learn from and model for and reinforce each other during play. So they're actually learning things like nonverbals and social cues and yep, those absolutely. kinds of things. But if they're impacted somehow, they're not picking those up. Yeah, and then, they're missing those things, and okay. that makes it difficult to reciprocate. What about in education? How are, what are some, and I'm sure there's lots of different implications, but what are some of the basics? Um, how, how does this affect them, affect their learning? Well, research has shown us that 80 to 90% of learning is visual. Um, so there's a huge problem there, right? So if there's a visual deficit. Um, but skills in basic literacy are influenced uh, by functional vision. Spelling is founded on visual imagery. You, um, you know, even letter recognition, you need that visual memory piece. Vocabulary development, it follows a visual perceptual lead from general to specific as well. One, another one of the quiz questions that you asked, I think it touched on the correlation between visual perception problems and other developmental delays and, and disorders. Mm-hmm. Such as, I guess when you're describing this, I'm thinking about symptoms of dyslexia. Oh, yes. So mm-hmm. it may be one or both. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and oftentimes parents don't take their children, don't, don't think to take their children really to get their eye evaluation done. So... So if a child's diagnosed or gets an educational classification of dyslexia, but they also have visual perception problems, those may be two different issues. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, What about social participation? How does visual dysfunction impact that? Yeah. Vision's huge in forming of relationships. You know, vision facilitates that social emotional development. If you think about how children learn to communicate emotion through facial expression, just even as infants, um, you know, communicating through social eye gaze before they have words that they are able to use. And really all ages use mutual gaze to build social and emotional bonds. You talked about the correlation with other neurodevelopmental disorders such as autism, which, you know, is commonly associated with eye blocking and and poor um, eye contact. Mm -hmm. So a visual dysfunction or problem could maybe, could it appear similar to that? Does it ever look like that? I mean, I know there's a lot of other criteria for that disorder, but I guess if you're not learning 
or picking up on social cues from others, nonverbals, yeah. you know, you may have maybe have similar struggles. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense when you think about that common presentation of children on the spectrum. So how do children find OTs for a visual dysfunction assessment? Because I want to ask you how this is assessed, basically. Oh, but yeah. how do they get connected with an OT generally? Is this how, how are they referred over? Oftentimes it's through the school, school system that will do that. Um, and uh, through the pediatrician as well. You can voice your concerns to your doctor, your child's doctor, and um, they can help you find a referral to occupational therapy. So they get over to to work with an OT, and then you start the assessment process. What does that look like? Yeah, sure. Um, a typical vision assessment given to a child, you know, we've talked about that before when they go to their well child visit, their annual visit, and that's where they do like the Snellen chart. And even in the school systems, oftentimes you don't go much beyond that to detect visual impairment when they do a vision screening for all of the all of the um, students. Um, so again, really that purpose is just to look at visual acuity or how clearly you know the child can see from a distance. But functional vision is really dependent on much more than that. So um, so they may have you know deficits in visual discrimination, tracking, visual memory, or visual motor integration and that's not going to be det detected by that Snellen chart. So a more comprehensive approach would include several elements, um, such as observing the child at school or at home, um, a parent or caregiver interview, and maybe a symptom questionnaire, um, a visual screen that assesses all visual perceptual skills. And through that process, an occupational therapist can help determine if children need further diagnostic assessment or um, a referral for a comprehensive evaluation. So an occupational therapist who conducts a visual screen, you know, that can really help to determine if that child needs that further assessment or you know, evaluation. Um, but the goals of a vision screen will differ based on the child's age. So for children under age eight years, the eye has not fully yet matured. So the primary goal is to screen for risk factors that may result in amblyopia, also known as lazy eye. And these factors need to be detected and treated early. They could include some organic defects, such as congenital cataracts, um, strabismus, which is like muscle imbalance that causes the eyes to not uh, align, and maybe refractive errors, so that could be nearsightedness, farsightedness, and astigmatism. And these are all caused by the shape of the eye and how it keeps you from focusing clearly on objects. Um, the earlier these problems are detected and treated, the better the outcome for the child. So then for children who are over the age of eight, um, so if lazy eye has already been ruled out, the primary goal of screening by an OT would be to detect for refractive errors, um, which are the commonly treated by corrective lenses or contacts. Excellent. So there's a different focus mm -hmm. for, it, it seems like a broader focus maybe for kids under eight years of age. Yeah, that's really the time you want to inter intervene if possible. Okay. So there's no, is there any too early of a time to do that or the earlier the better? I mean, you can you can do a vision screen on an infant. You just it just looks a little different. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then there's some other focus for children over eight years of age. And these vision screenings, these are done by um, is this is this done by the pediatrician or the school, or is this done by the OT? This is something that OT can do. Okay. Yeah, typically. So that's vision screening, and then what can you talk to us about what? the OT interventions for visual dysfunction look like? Sure. So um, yeah, if, you, if a deficit is detected, then um, oftentimes you'll do vision exercises in therapy, and it's sort of framed in 
context of play oftentimes, right? It's embedding treatment into playtime is really your best way to kind of look at it. Um, but some of the tools or um, exercises that we use, so for example, uh, a Marsden ball, which is a, a ball on a string, it's suspended from the ceiling. Um, this tool you can use to improve skills in visual tracking, eye-hand coordination, and, and several other skills as well. Um, we also often will use a Brack string. So this is a string that's probably about five, six feet in length. Um, it usually has three to five large colorful beads that are spread out on it. And you tie one end to maybe like a doorknob or a chair or something, and then the child holds the other end to the tip of their nose and works on focusing on each bead individually. Um, so that would help to train the eyes to work together as a coordinated team and for children with conditions such as like convergence insufficiency or lazy eye. Um, we also will do, um, just for example, um, pencil push-ups. So that's a really common one. Um, so this is where you hold the pencil at arm's length and then maintain focus on it as you slowly bring it closer to your nose and further away. And again, used for convergence insufficiency, which can cause double vision up close and make it difficult for a child to read. So doing pencil push-ups, that's strengthening that um, okay. oculomotor, mm -hmm. those, those muscles, yes. I guess. Okay. Convergence and divergence. <laughs> and then I'm guessing since OT, you guys are doing everything kind of all at once. So you're probably assessing as you're doing these interventions. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Many of those uh, activities serve as assessments as well. How long typically do these interventions take? Do, is it are there a certain number of weeks or a certain number of sessions where you start seeing improvements or is it just different for everybody? It's different for every child, really. And we often will send home home programs as well to keep the, you know, training going at home because you only have such a small part of that child's week in that one hour session, you know. So it's pretty important for parents to be involved. Yeah. And, and on top of this, it has to be done Absolutely. regularly. Absolutely. You talked about some of the play-based approaches that you use. Um, we, we were chatting about some play-based activities that are involved. How, how does that factor into working with these kiddos? Well, play is, you know, very motivating <laughs> for children. Um, they love to engage and many times, you know, can tap into that intrinsic motivation through different play-based activities while also enhancing their visual development kind of at the same time. And there's several games, card games out there. You can go to any, you know, store to get. Um, so for example, um, have you ever played Spot It? I don't think I have. Okay. Well, it's a game. It's a, basically you lay out different cards and you have to identify the same object on both cards as fast as you can. And they may be oriented differently or different size. So that visual discrimination um, and pattern recognition is really big. So you, it's, if you look at a lot of the games that are out there that we've even played as kids ourselves, you can pick up on, oh, that really challenges this skill or that you know, that skill. Yeah. And um, so that's, so that's practicing a number of the different skills that yeah. you talked about all at once. Yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. So you just kind of look at it in a different kind of assessment style, <laughs> I guess, way. Um, do you remember the game perfection where you turn the dial and you have so many minutes before the pieces pop out? I do remember okay, that. Okay. That <laughs> nerve wracking game. <laughs> that's a good one. It challenges again, visual discrimination and also speed of recognition too. So lots of games out there like that. What about playing like playing on the playground or playing sports does that absolutely that all all those kinds of activities are helpful yes, right yes okay. absolutely um and, and as an occupational therapist we often will tie in things like that you would do on the playground or things you know games you would play with your peers there's so much talk these days about screen time mm -hmm. so visual perception problems are they they're 
present or apparent from birth or an early age. Yes. Is that right? Oftentimes. Can they get worse? Are there certain activities that worsen that? Or is is what you're talking about more in terms of doing the positive things that you want to do to develop it? I'm, I guess I'm, I'm wondering about screen time in particular. Does that worsen it? Or is that just something that you want to balance with some of these other activities that you're discussing? I definitely think balance is really important. I mean, if you're not using those eye muscles to track, to scan, to, you know, throw, catch a ball, whatever it is, like playing outside, you know, there's a lot of value in, in that for sure. And I do think kids these days are not exercising those eye muscles as they could be. And that definitely um, is impacting function. So at least maybe take breaks. And yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we like to wrap these episodes up with some action items that parents or educators or anybody who happens to be working with these kids can implement right away. So when somebody gets done listening to this episode, what can they do this afternoon to start supporting kids' visual perception development? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first thing I would ask is, uh, or recommend is that you observe your child for common presentations of visual dysfunction. And I talked about those earlier on. So maybe a child, you know, they're rubbing their eyes or tilting their head when they're reading and you kind of sit back and wonder like, oh, that's, you know, that's not typical, right? For after, you know, homework or reading a book. Um, if your child demonstrates visual fatigue, so they're closing their eyes after reading or using a screen, you can tell, and often rubbing their eyes at the same time, you know, that's a sign or complaining of a headache. So all of those common presentations of visual dysfunction, just really, you know, objectively kind of observe and see, are, are, is the child, you know, demonstrating any of these? Um, thinking about, you know, reading comprehension, is it, are they losing their place? Um, are they using their finger to stay on the correct line when they're reading? Or otherwise they, you know, they can't do that return sweep to the next line. Um, and also just look at the body movement. Is, are they uncoordinated or clumsy? Is this something that could possibly be related to vision? Um, do they struggle with depth perception? That's a big one, too, that shows their eyes aren't working together. Um, I also would recommend that you communicate with teachers, coaches, and other caregivers who are spending time with your child. If you are suspecting of, of visual dysfunction, ask for their observations and compare notes. Um, and then if you do suspect that your child has a visual deficit, reach out to your pediatrician um, as soon as you can and share your concerns and decide whether a referral to an optometrist or, or occupational therapist is warranted. Awesome. This is incredible information. Um, the takeaway I got was that a lot of these visual issues are go beyond just visual acuity and beyond the eye chart. There's lots of different ways that your eyes and your brain work together, and it applies across all areas of child development. Um, can impact learning, um, social activities, um, so pretty much everything. And if parents take nothing else out of this episode, they can keep in mind those behaviors that you mentioned, and we'll go ahead and put those in the show notes, just to watch the child observe and see if you notice some of those things and and then maybe follow up and, and press on that if it's needed. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming here. We really appreciate your time. And um, this has been great. I hope I hope I can get you back on. I would love that. Thank you for having me. All right. That's it from us today. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. We hope you'll join us at the next podcast, where we'll continue to explore topics around successful living, learning and education, and child development, and share ways to help you live a more positive and fulfilling life.